For the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. We've started our podcast as a way to help break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode number seven, Baseball Bat. My name is Tanzan, and I am joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. Hola. Chapter 10. Dresden makes a call to Linda Randall's number, but she refuses to talk. Harry hears airport announcements in the background and rushes to O'Hare, where he finds Linda driving a limo for the Becketts. Linda doesn't offer much information, but Dresden does manage to give her his business card. Dresden subsequently follows up with the pizza express driver to find out someone else has already called. He leans on the driver and learns that there is a wild orgy going on. Upon returning to his home, he's assaulted and warned to get off the case. Okay, chapter 10. Harry is on the move to track down Linda Randall. Yeah. Character-wise, she's pretty she's pretty flirty and sexual, at least until Jennifer Standen is mentioned. Very, yeah, that's her whole shtick. Is the... Is the, well, she tries to blow him off. She's all like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then he's like, yeah, I have to ask about Jennifer Stanton. She's like, oh, I'm at work. Gotta go. Bye. And he's like, what? Fuck that shit. <laughs> well, it seems like she really wears her sexuality like armor, at least until. Completely and totally. Until she's confron- con- confronted, pardon me, with something that is more vulnerable to her. Yeah. Which happens to be Jennifer Stanton. Yeah. And that's what Justin points out because he finally. Um, like you say, with his, his, um, what's the word I'm looking for? His hyped up hearing that he likes to make use of. He, he determines that she's out at the airport. So he goes to see if he can find her there and, uh, calls and hangs up on her again. But he kind of pinpoints her in the car from, right? So he just like, <laughs> hey. And she's like, oh shit, let me guess, Dresden. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Fine, whatever. But yeah, exactly. Like she comes on really hard hitting with like the flirty and the sexual and the voice. Like like he like describes her voice as being something like tactile, like furry and velvety that you can like roll around in, right? So she's getting him in with the 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 sexy um, Phoebe sexy cold voice. <laughs> and uh and yeah, the manner, and he realizes after a moment, like, oh, she's like completely trying to distract me and throw me off guard and get me just, you know, hey, look at my boobs and don't see like this real world that's happening behind me over here. Right. Well, and and um, the the passage that's written about her, she was wearing the alley cat mask, appeal- appealing to my glands instead of my brain and trying to distract me with it, exactly. trying to keep me from finding something out. Yeah, exactly. So definitely uses her sex appeal as distraction and armor. Yeah, yeah. It's this the sleight of hand, you know, instead of looking at my top hat and cape while I switch your cards over here, she's like, look at my lack of top hat and cape while I, <laughs> you know. But yeah, exactly. She's totally, that's her defense mechanism. That's And she is like, she says it herself, right? She is sort of highly sexualized. Like she's like another addict right some people it's drugs some people it's booze for her it's orgasm so she's kind of she is into all that um which probably you know for better or worse has shaped her world because i mean this is a lot of stuff we're dealing with in today's day and age i mean um most recently it was like a britney spears article thing i even read this morning you know saying how like at 10 years old on like star search she was put on the spot about dating and boyfriends and it's like you know like this is something we we do really frequently to, to women in this society sort of going off track here, but the article I read, um, which I will have to find and post because now we should, because I don't remember the girl's name offhand. Um, but she was like, we look at men by, like, we look and judge men by what they do and women by what they are. You know what I mean? So she's like, women in politics, it's like, we still are like, how are they speaking? How are they dressing? Whereas guys can be total perverts and we're like, oh yeah, but look at what he's done. You know, and it's like that. So, and this is how Linda, so, you know, I mean, she probably was a little bit that way naturally, but the world around and and things that she's gotten into is she got herself into a very sexualized industry and stuff like that, working as an escort, hooker, whatever. Um, So she really plays up on that too. And exactly if she doesn't want people to poke too deep and get to anything personal or sensitive or vulnerable, 
she just exactly just distracts them with with the sex kitten alley cat and hopes they forget about what and i'm sure for her like 98 percent of the time it works they're well, just like okay yeah. and it, it seems that jennifer is sort of this um almost like a vulnerability spot for her we find out that she 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 describes jennifer as being sweet and not jaded and then making everybody feel good about themselves instead of just over sexualized in in that way and like that despite being in that same particular industry that she's managed to mm-hmm. make people and feel I think good that, yeah i think that's a little the juxtaposition there or whatever is that is that linda is more of the jaded um cynical type where she's like even though jennifer was in this world and like chose to be in this world she didn't lose that part of herself that became Jaden Cynical. Jennifer was still happy and sunshiny and made other people right. So Linda here, who's like obviously not the happiest about her situation and the decisions she's made and stuff like that, you know, but Jennifer still made her feel good about herself. And we learned that they were roommates. And so, you know, they, they were friends. They were close. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, we got sent out on calls together. It was like, no, we liked going out on calls together. We worked well together. We really liked each other and had a connection there. Well, and it all, it really does reinforce the tragedy of the murder and how malicious it was in a way. Well, and that too, right? Like, Jennifer was a little sweetheart. She wouldn't hurt a fly. Why would somebody do this to her? You know, like, exactly making Jennifer out to be the sweeter, nicer, gentler kind of person that um, exactly this just sort of tweaks your tragedy. Well, I was going to say it also begs the question about whether or not, you know, unreliable narrator or not is how much Linda or how much Jennifer legitimately was this sweet, perfect, you know, girl next door despite everything else and how much is like, you know, guilt for the dead praise the dead no matter what yeah idolization after death or whatever yeah exactly you you only see only remember only highlight the good spot points and as well as an attempt to separate herself from jennifer you know like oh no we're really different in the end and like i don't really have to do with her anymore she was always better than me like yeah a little bit you know like third degree separation kind of just that's fair too once removed as much as you possibly can in this situation you know like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Oh, I gotta say, one nice character development moment um, is, is is about um, Dresden's driving, <laughs> which which makes me really, really, really happy. I, I swerved the old Studebaker into a parking place, racing a Volvo for it and winning by dint of driving the older and heavier vehicle and having a more suicidal attitude. I, I'm fairly certain that Dresden and I have had the same uh, driving <laughs> We both learned how to drive in Los Angeles, not Chicago. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, out. <laughs> I, yeah. had, I had one friend who actually used to drive truck and like these long haul, long haul transports. And his, his whole, he, he used to tell me the exact same thing, that driving is an actual economic game. <laughs> <laughs> by and who's willing to take the who, hit yeah, yeah. <laughs> like look at that that's a really expensive vehicle I bet you five bucks is that he's going to move out of the way because I've got the one that costs me a hundred bucks <laughs> and the insurance <laughs> is yeah yeah not going to care about that <laughs> yeah my mom used to be a little bit like that little five foot nothing woman with all these kids we had like a 12 passenger van and yeah when people would try she's like go ahead cut me off like you you take your little sporty thing and cut in front of my 12 passenger van with yeah see whatever buddy it's an economic game yeah seriously you think i give a fuck about these kids (laughs) (laughs) i think it was more the point like you know how many extras i have (laughs) please do me a favor No, um, but the scene from Fried Green Tomatoes, I always make you think of that where she's like, yeah, she's like, and she's like her middle aged woman in her station wagon cruising for a spot or whatever. And like these little 20 something year old blonde bimbos cut her off in their little like punch bug or something like that. And they're like, we're just younger and prettier. And they start walking into the mall or shopping store, whatever it is. Ha 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 ha. And all of a sudden you just hear crunch and they turn around and she's just like repeatedly ramming into their car like on purpose back up smash back up smash and they're like <gasps> she's like i'm older and have better insurance <laughs> and like drives away they're like yes <laughs> to wonder 
Man, I could do a podcast just on fried green tomatoes. I love that movie. Oh, I haven't watched it in a really long time, but there you That's go. So good. There you go. Things to mark down. Side con. We'll do another one. Right. I <laughs> think we'll take us like, at least one one episode just de- 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 uh, dedicated? dedicated to uh, fried green tomatoes. There you go. To Wanda. To Wanda. Um, but yeah, so yeah, exactly. He's like, I got somewhere to be at because he finally tracks her down. He's flying by the seat of his pants here. He don't know how long she's going to be waiting in arrivals to pick up her her bosses. So he's just like, mm, fuck you. I need the spot more than you do. Go ahead. You want to, you know? <laughs> how like, he does it is very quite clever, like uh, using his abilities to... Um, uh, to that, steal that are, the spot or track down Linda? To, to track down Linda. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. yes. And, yeah. and it's not even using wizardry. He's just using his common sense. Uh, yeah, and that's where his plain old detective skills, yeah. pounding the pavement, doing the footwork, the legwork comes in. Um, yeah, so he's talked to Borg about his listening, which, again, he says is not necessarily a supernatural phenomenon, just simply he's honed carefully have how to listen really well to things and block out background and pick up so yeah just in a phone conversation he manages to pick up the concourse stuff and it's like well sounds like o'hare to me they said she was working at a driver let's uh so yeah basically just like circles the airport until he sees a likely um suspect (laughs) you know well, and it also, because there's that whole disadvantage of the wizardry part, because you can't carry a cell phone. I mean, well, in the 2000s, was it as... Yeah, they were still, they, they were phones, more but coming, but, um, but yes. Ex- but he wouldn't have been able to handle a cell phone regar- anyway. Yeah, yeah, he probably, if he was going to, probably 2000 would have been a better time than now, because like you say, the more... Um, the further down the chain we go, the more high tech everything gets. The more and more it freaks out on him instantaneously. Then, um, but yeah, he—that's why he drives. Yeah, his old beetle because it's like. Oh, well, and it even says while he's walking through the airport, and the monitors displaying flight times flickered to buzz when I walked by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that's really so. Yeah, so exactly. So um, aside from just yeah, his good old PI. Yeah, like you say, probably the listening and things like that is extra because um, he can't use any high-tech fancy bugging equipment. Um, he can do spells, like there are things if he really needs to zoom in on something a ways away. But again, like you say, you know, it turns out these things are, you know, pricey and not always cost-effective for your <laughs> blue-collar wizards. So yeah, he, he, definitely, um, he definitely does work a lot with his human skills and resources and... Um, what's the word, senses and stuff like that to make that work for him too. So he's not always slinging a bunch of power around yet. Well, he sort of runs into a little bit of a wall there because he, but he does manage to give his card to, to, um, to Linda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tries to slip it to her unnoticed when her bosses come out. Cause she's like, Oh, gotta go. And so he tries to make it like not a big thing. She's like, Oh yeah, someone I used to know. And, um, so he kind of gets the hint that, okay, she doesn't want to tip her hand too much in front of these people or whatever, these these dead, soulless corporate yuppies. Um, but yeah, he kind of, he feels there's more there. He's like, there's, he knows that she hasn't given him the full story, knows that there's more to, to it. So he's trying to encourage her, like, reach out to me, like, let me know, like, I can be your friend. We can, I want to figure out what happened, right? Like, and he's kind of going on the tailspin here because he's like, everybody's got, right, like, like, Murphy's trying to figure out what this whole thing is and she's got pressure on her from the higher ups because this is a horrific public murder like everybody knew about it within like 24 hours or less right so um, you know like he's got mobsters stopping him and being like don't don't stick your nose in and then he's got like vampires that he's like I'm gonna fucking kill you you did this and he's like what the hell and then he's got <laughs> Linda who's like she was my best friend I knew her I'm not telling you anything I don't want to get involved and he's like what don't did she died do you not want to figure out why he does right like everybody's so involved yet nobody wants to give any details nobody wants to share anything and he's like mostly because he's prime suspect I, number one well yeah he's either prime suspect or the worst enemy kind of a thing like yeah exactly he's like I don't know how to like I yeah everybody else has has an angle in this and I don't know what the fuck is going on right so his next tactic is to talking to the pizza express guy who tells him about the mystery photographer and an orgy orgy Victor Sells had someone out in his lake house and not his wife or we don't know that or well we're assuming since she's claimed he's missing and doesn't know where he is we're assuming it wasn't her yeah (laughs) so yeah Harry Kind of comes to a dead end on Murphy's case and figures he'll pick up his personal case from the PI to 
business, and that's what leads him to tracking down this pizza. Pizza Express, yeah, because yes. Toot Toot told him that, yeah, <laughs> the humans were sporting and had pizza, so there was sex and pizza. So, so you know, one quick phone call to such establishment. Yeah. And, and even right there, yeah, he figures out this is... Someone else has already been in touch. Exactly, yeah. Like, he's having a conversation with the pizza boy, and the pizza boy's acting as though but they've just gone over this. Why the hell are you asking me again? Like, yes, 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 agreed. Everything I already told you yeah. half an hour ago. And I saw nothing. I saw nothing. I won't say anything. I told you that. And exactly. Like, and what? What? You told me what? <laughs> so... Yeah, as the conversation continues, Harry obviously extrapolates that, oh, someone's already followed up on your silence. But while I'm here, just quickly explain to me exactly what I want you to be silent about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does, and he nudges him, like, a little bit further. Like, you sort of get that impression that whoever called him first, you know, presumably Victor or whatever, was all like, you weren't there, you didn't see anything, and the kid's like, okay, and now Dresden's like, oh, okay, great. But I, you know, let's, what didn't you see? So I know exactly, what, yeah, because the other guy obviously knew what was going on and basically just getting the kid to, like, agree to shut his mouth was fine, but Dresden's, like, fishing for more information. So exactly, yeah, he pulls it. He just kind of keeps, like, yeah, so what was the, the uh, what? <laughs> but I kind of love it. A good amount of information. Yeah, he him. ends up pulling out, actually, a few extra things that give him, finally, a little bit something else to go on. So Harry... Has this conversation with the pizza boy, learns a little bit of information, learns, again, like as we said, that there was an orgy happening, and there was someone taking pictures, and the pizza boy definitely didn't see shit, <laughs> and there was, did he name a number? Name a number? It was like at least half a dozen people. Out there? Oh no! I know. Sure no, he no, no I don't. He just think basically he's... finds out that there was there was there people, was people over, someone creeping outside. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he puts two and two together with the the film canister. Yeah, so that makes sense. The canister he saying. found, and that the kid's kind of free. Like obviously, whoever told him to shut up intimidated him enough. Like the kid does seem genuinely sort of freaked out and spooked, and um, so yeah, obviously it wasn't just a casual like ah. That's embarrassing. Don't tell anyone. It was like, you better fucking keep your mouth shut. And the kid's like, okay, I will, I will, I will, right? So, so yeah, Harry's like, all right, okay, this is... Speaking of being keeping your mouth shut, that's the, 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 the thug that attacks Dresden on his way home. Wham! With a baseball bat. Yeah, and the big dramatic pause. Better keep your big mouth shut or we'll shut it for you. Permanently. <laughs> he he paused an appropriately dramatic amount of time and then said permanently. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Thug One Hundred One or or whatever. You know, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> and it really sets the stage for what will become the Jezen Files is Harry just being relentlessly beat upon. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is like concussion one of off. about four hundred. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like I love how he sort of responds to this. He ref he he steals himself and reminds himself that he is a wizard, and then grabs a gun. Yes, <laughs> yes. Not the I wizard can, staff. I can Not wield the, the almighty powers of creation, but you know what? It's hard to say no to a fucking forty-five right. in your face. <laughs> There's magic and there's efficiency. Yes, <laughs> yes, like that. That or, yeah, the oh, Indiana that just reinforces scene. that that juxtaposition. 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 I see, it's contagious. Ooh. The juxtaposition. That's the one between magic and his PI business. One right. Of, yeah, the gun from the right. PI business. I could blast him back with a spell, but that'll just take energy out of me. Especially Whereas this handy gun dandy gun will produce its own energy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say right now for anyone that watches Critical Role, last night was episode 128, and there's some shit that went down, and if they had a gun, a lot of that shit would not have occurred. <laughs> Indiana Jones, that original Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, he gets attacked by like a bunch of ninjas in a marketplace, and he's supposed to be fending them all off with his like whip and doing all the fancy, and then you get the one guy's like, what? And like everyone's stopped, like you, know, you get like the circle around him, and everything else stops, and there's just a whoa. And yeah, he literally just pulls out his gun. It's like, boom. And everyone's like, what? And it was like, brilliant. It was, yeah, it was a total, um, 
Improv? Improv, yes. yeah. Because he was sick that day because he, he had food poisoning. Yeah. Many of the so, cast had food poisoning. And it was what set it up brilliantly because as the audience, because he's already doing all this hand-to-hand combat and shit, so you expect that to continue. You expect some epic fight scene with the ninja, which was actually how it was supposed to play out. And then yeah, Ford is just like, oh, whip. fuck this. I don't, yeah. And then he was just no. like, Pfft. I'm like, you know what? It's true. The guy's walking around fucking God, of course. And that's, that's basically Harry in a nutshell right there. I could whip out my whip and do some, but you know what? Just yeah. this is so much easier at this distance than that. Real yeah. quick, there's a moment in the Harry Potter movies when Arthur Weasley brings Harry Potter down to the Ministry of Magic via telephone box. Yes, and the show like CGI'd or uh, physically moved something like that. I don't remember the exact specifications, but they moved a bridge mm. to a different wall. Because there was a doorway there. And they're like, we don't want fans to be like, why the fuck didn't you guys just go through the door? They're like, no, <laughs> we're using our telephone box. <laughs> yes, so yeah, we yeah. will CGI in something to cover this door. Because <laughs> no. No, no. That's not what we're, no. <laughs> All right, so that brings yeah. us to chapter 11. Chapter 11. Dresden works all night to devise how someone could perform the spell required to kill Jennifer Stanton and Tommy Tom. He concludes it requires a ridiculous amount of energy and doesn't seem to make sense. Dresden takes his findings to Murphy at SI. While waiting for Murphy, Harry stops a three-eye addict who recognizes him as a wizard and sees a shade that follows him. Harry realizes there is a legitimacy to three-eye being a true magical drug. Murphy and Dresden reach the conclusion that the three-eye supplier and the murderers are linked in a gang-related turf war over drugs in Chicago. So Dresden actually finally takes the time to research this murder um, and the, the magical aspect of it, which he has basically been saying that he didn't want to do. Yeah, none of the contacts he's he's had in the last few hours or whatever were nice enough to pop up and be like, oh yeah, yo, so-and-so did it like this. Um, so he's like, shit, I'm going to have to do the research on this, yeah, illegal spell and hope I don't get busted doing the research on this illegal spell. Um, and yeah, his, his spends most of the night doing it. And at the end of it, he's like, well, this is impossible. (laughs) So, fuck. (laughs) Um, unfortunately with wizarding and magic and such there's no you know googling how to do it so you have to really run through the steps of it on your own and it comes down to sort of almost casting it yourself to the point of being guilty and in that yeah Harry's well, like, why would you need to know how to do it if you're not gonna do it exactly so it, it very much falls to Dresden's feet that he's like even if I wanted to what the fuck <laughs> like well and now he looks even more suspicious because he's actually doing the research on how to do this so now he has the knowledge of what it would take to kill people well and that's just it right if the white council knocks on his door right now did he just do this research in the last you know five hours trying to figure out what happened or did he do it five weeks ago and made it happen already like exactly right he's like um, and I kind of like, this is one of the things I like about how, how Butcher tackles the magic and stuff like that, is that it's not just completely mystical mumbo jumbo completely, right? Like there's, um, like a physics component. He's like, I'm working on like calculations and formulas. Like that's how he describes it a lot of the time when he, so sometimes when you're doing like, when you're actually performing the actual, there's some mystical mumbo jumbo and whatever. Um, but you know, he's like, again, he's like matter and energy like exist in the in the world like you cannot create or unmake what's the word i'm looking for create or destroy energy right yeah it's it's like yeah same thing as how anything moves so um so we can do it in a different way being magician like we can channel power through us to make fire suddenly appear out of our fingers tips but it's like it's still the same thing as you know if we struck a match and lit it right still needs to happen we just are able to do it with so i kind of i like how that working right that that there isn't just an immediate answer to everything exactly. He's sort of got to figure out the 
the the logical, physical, tangible properties of like how did you explode someone's heart? It's not just snapping your fingers like there's so yeah, so that combination of of so I kind of like how and that's part of why you know it sets the the thing for him of like sitting down in his his basement in his lab with his notebooks and his pencils and like actually like working shit out right mm-hmm. and and I find it very much that's when uh, the D and D mechanics come out in Dres- in uh, yeah. Butcher's writing because it's very much like. Uh, depending on the class of magic user is kind of the different rules and butcher uses a very combined level so like sorcerers have like this innate magic wizards have to study and do the formulas and the writing and the studying in order to do it right right and so i find very much in the books it's it's you know like like again you need energy from somewhere it's constantly coming from dresden you know like it the energy is coming from him and as you see as the books go on and on and as the days go on and on the toll it very yeah it's exactly the toll is coming from him and it's like you said it's not just appearing out of nowhere it's like this is harry's yeah there's no never-ending source of it exactly yeah yeah. he gets tired out doing magic he gets tired out doing magic. like yeah sort of how we explain in like the the potter verse it was all sort of external like other than saying maybe like the emotional or mental toll, but as far as slinging spells around, the kids could do that all day, every day without, you know, whereas here it's like the more spells he throws, the harder they are, the more complicated, the more physically draining it is on him. He gets tired out. He's using, yeah, exactly like his energy and source and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's, um, um, I forgot how I was going to finish that sentence, but exactly, and it's but not yeah, oh, that's how yeah he plays with the the D and D right. There's a certain innate mag- like he does come into his magic kind of like Harry Potter kids do, but he's also got to work with it on the sense that he's got to learn how to do and manage and affect more so than the Potter verse does. Yeah, it's not so much of thinking of it and having a magic word for it. You've got to do the work to mm-hmm. yeah and build the spell from the ground up. Exactly, you know, like any sort of <gasps> chemical Ooh, equation. Nerdy, I don't know nothing about programming, so correct me because I'm probably going to be the wrong but I'm going to assume it's like that it's like you have to do all like the the pages and pages of programming and then when it comes out it's just like an icon on his desktop yeah pretty much so he can click the so when the time comes he's like oh I just got to click this and my program runs and opens and does but y'all don't know how much shit went into the background to make it it's not just clicking an icon people trust me somebody had to build a whole lot of crap that makes that icon do something when you click it. That is a wonderful, wonderful reference. I like it. Yeah. And to build on that reference, (laughs) the big issue in Harry's life is that, uh, you know, he never learned the binary. He he doesn't really, he's not so good on the Latin. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's making up his own code. So it's all kind of, like I sort of have heard like a couple of terms here and there, but ultimately I'm just kind of making this up on the fly it's good it's almost like how in French if you like don't u- use the right um, pronoun or um, mm-hmm. article uh, you'll fuck up everything and insult everyone in case you know anyone who's <laughs> gonna come across Harry's Latin notes they're like what the hell like they can't even repeat it because he's yeah yeah because it's <laughs> fucked up well, Latin, like so bad. one of the early things like right when he's in max in the first place and and max like oh you've been followed when Susan is appropriate um, approaching him and that was it. He's like, I've been too tense for too long of the day. And like a quasi-Latin thing, like immediately, right? Like he even says right off the bat, he's like, yeah, it's sort of like I had to do some Latin and that's where my sort of familiarity is. So that's what I go with. But half the time I'm just like making up the, you know, just adding the um, suffixes to everything so it sounds Latin-y, you know. Well, we have this wonderful moment that I want to talk about really quickly that, that sounds like it's going to be... No. A big... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. Not at all. Who'd you? Ha-ha. The, um, the moment where the, the three-eye addict recognizes him. Yeah. Wizard! He trumpeted. I wizard, see. I see you. I see you, wizard. The things that follow you, those who walk before, and he who walks behind, they come. They come for you. Well, I, and it, it just seems like this epic, like, going-to-be-something moment, and I think it ends up being more of a character development and, and plot development for just the drug itself. It, but it, it could have been so much more. Yeah, it is, but we don't know that yet, kind of. Sorry, spoiler. It's, yeah, ish. It's kind of a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> she did say quick. She did, and there we go. That was it. So moving right along. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, this. so I, it kind of 
took me a minute. The f- and like I say, I've mentioned it before. My first time was like listening. So again, I wouldn't notice when things were necessarily capitalized to emphasize them or not, you know, but on the read. And I remember sort of being like, what? Because yeah, it sounds like, like he just casually, as it were, I mean, he's tripping out in, in the police station, but he sort of casually just drops this to Justin and Justin's like, what the fuck? And the cops are just like, ah, ha, ha, crazy drug story. And Justin's like, yeah, no, there was some. And I'm like, did I miss something? Like, what am I? And I associate it with this whole sort of Doom of Damocles thing. Like, the he who walks behind, I was like, oh, is that sort of like that metaphor playing in of the guy walking behind him ready to bring the sword down on him, you know? And yeah, like in, in, in the sort of literal sense, that's Morgan keeping tabs on him. But in the metaphorical sense, this Doom of Damocles is his name in this, you know, and I sort of thought it was that sort of a thing. Like, and because, yeah, I was really, I was confused for a minute and I was like, did I miss, like, it sounds like I should know what he's talking about, but I don't know what it's talking about. And yeah, it's because it's Dresden knows what he's talking about, but we as the readers don't really officially, right? But yeah, but it, it, it does, it wigs him out because he's like playing Joe Blow Vanilla Mortal off the street. Should not really have said or recognized any of that, let alone those specific references that he threw in. So that's not on my billboard. <laughs> that's not on my. That is not on my business card. Yeah, exactly. That I leave that part out of the the yellow pages ad. So yeah, legitimately, Harry gets kind of freaked out in this thing that he just thought was just a wacky new designer drug that he completely like back at Max when he's reading the newspaper. He calls it complete bullshit. Because um, he's like, the department hasn't called me in. If there was actually something mystical to it, I would have been consulted. And I, I think it's also fair to say that as much as this is maybe a fair thing, Harry's also highly concussed at this moment. He, <laughs> he got right. bashed over the back of the head, then stayed up all night studying. And yeah. was like, After- all right, let me go talk to Murphy. Runs down to the place, police station and then instantly has a run and with the, gets knocked down by this guy again. Yeah. Hours after getting bashed over. So yeah, it's also and, and just the the emotional interaction with Bianca. Like, I mean, she did kind of come at him physically. It was not a huge, but he's like totally shaken. To yeah, so I mean, he's not having a good night. He's like freaked out and scared, and then gets like beat up and pounced on, and then stays up all night doing fucking math research. Not my bag, thank you very much. And then yeah, exactly. I just, I love that description too. Like, cause he's like, I don't keep mirrors in the house because things can use them. Is so he's like, I kind of half glanced on the rearview mirror, but it's like he gets to the police station and the death sergeant's just like giving him the eye, like, cause I think that's what he says. He's like, it's not the usual one or something like that. And this one's just like, who the fuck is this crazy homeless person? That's like this giant NBA sized crazy homeless person. It's like, I'm just gonna pop up and talk to Murph. Cool. And they're like. Uh, but yeah, he's like, his hair's all like greasy and stuck up from like, like he's right. just like, he looks like shit. Like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, personal hygiene and appearance. That's the thing that matters sometimes. But Harry just gets in his, his, his tunnel vision, right? He's on a case. He literally to the point where exactly it doesn't even occur to him that he probably looks completely trashed. Most no, books and and the series occur in like 72 hours or less. Like, yeah, when you get right down to it, there's a lot happens. But when you actually, yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, shit, that's only been a day. I thought that was like a week. Fuck, Harry. Like, how are you still on your feet? Well, a lot of the time he's not. And it does. Yeah, like this. Exactly. He gets better. But uh, yeah, so. no, it's I, I think, you know, give credit to, you know, crazy guy. If there was a moment to see shadows over Harry's shoulder, this is a good time. <laughs> this is a good time, right. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so Harry's like, starts exactly. So now that something else sort of simmering in the background that this maybe isn't just a load of bullshit. It's not just, yeah, like something else mm-hmm. to think about, but when I'm lost concussed. But yeah, but the other thing, so when Harry starts to take this sort of seriously, when he realizes that there might be, it freaks him out on another level because he's like, like, that's, like, a big deal for wizards. Like, opening that third eye lets you see the world on a whole other level, literally. Um, and he's, like, it's kind of a big deal for wizards to learn how to open that and access it. And more importantly, how to shut it off and stop it. Because he's, like, you don't want to see the world raw and unfiltered all the time. Because um, what you see stays with you. Um, and I don't remember for right, sure I think if we he says know that this. Untrained wizard, wizards that open their third eye end up going insane. Yeah, he's like, well, I shuddered at the thought. What was it for? He's like, um, 
Yeah, was it possible that I had been wrong in my initial assessment of Three Eye? Could the drug genuinely grant to its users the visions of the third sight? I shuddered at the thought. The kind of things you see when you learn how to open your third eye could be blindingly, blindingly beautiful, bring tears to your eyes, or they could be horrible. Things that made your worst nightmare seem ordinary and comforting. Visions of the past, the future, and the true nature of things. Psychic stains, troubled shades, spirit folk of all descriptions. So yeah, so he's like, there's, and like, once you see something that way, you never forget it. So like, with the human memory is fallible, right? It fades over time, we remember things differently, we color things through our own perception, right? So hence why, you know, time heals, because eventually you learn to assimilate that or or shave down the rough edges. But it's like anything with your third eye stays with you exactly if, when, how, what you saw it. So it's like all of a sudden just giving a bunch of people that, you know, don't know about this thing in general and just blowing their mind wide open to this is like hugely damaging and another level from just doing drugs themselves kind of a thing, great. Right? And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, you'll see some cool shit, but you're also going to see some literally mind-bending, horribly twisting stuff. So that's kind of the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is that you're not just dealing with like get high and whatever. It's like, yeah. This is like actually really serious on another level of stuff. Like you can't get rid of this shit. And they're not, they don't know that, right? Like at least wizards are taught and trained and like, okay, you're going to expose yourself to some nasty and this is how you shut it off. And when you're on the drug, you're just there for the whole ride. Like you can't shut it off if you start experiencing nasty stuff that, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's kind of. Uh, And the books really um, build on this as they go on to kind of how um, dabbling with magic uh, is very much like it can eat away at your brain. I mean, we have it, it's not just the third eye as a, either as the drug or as the wizard mm-hmm. ability, mm-hmm. but you see it as it goes on. It's like in multiple ways when magic and the mind combine, it's detrimental just about every single time, you know. And as we'll yeah. get into it later on with Molly or with um, not Lucian, Lucio, Lucio, Lucio. As we get there, you know, like things like that, like you, uh, even Harry himself, you know, there's there every time the mind and the magic is combined, it's this kind of unhealable to a degree injury. Yeah. And certainly, you know, a wizard that has like a 400 year lifespan is going to eventually get over that. But with these humans or who have maybe to break them or or that, too. But, you know, with these humans that don't have a 400 year healing period, it is that much more traumatic traumatic. traumatic. yes totally yeah yeah well exactly like you say like harry does place a lot of emphasis on like the learning and the understanding and don't just mess with shit you don't know like sure the average joe can do a lot of stuff and he frequently tells that he's like you know summoning too he's like so now you know how to do it but i don't recommend because you don't know what to do if it goes wrong or whatever right like he always sort of has that advisory that addendum kind of a thing you know he's like yeah the basics of it are pretty easy and almost anyone can pick it up and do a certain amount of magic even if they don't have an inherent talent but you know again you don't want to mess with stuff that you're you know i mean sure anyone can play around with nuclear physics but you don't really want to if you don't know what you're doing because the yeah the consequences and side effects are so much more dire than you could possibly imagine and and the ripple effect and all of that right which is a little off topic but i think that's another kind of D nod where it's like well, to a point where anyone can do it with the recipe book, but it's what comes after that. You know, you've got things like, you know, like a bard or a rogue, which can, has, has uh, uh, or certain races, which has the ability to, you know, pick a wizard or a cleric or like any sort right. of spell from a different class and learn it. But at the same time, it's like. Does it have the same power, the same oomph, the same result, well, whatever? It, exactly. It's, yeah. it, it's, it very much goes along with the whole energy is taken and give. It has to be equal. It has to come from somewhere. And where physics play into this is like, it's not just necessarily the innate of the wizard because anyone can strike a match. Anyone can lay a salt circle. Anyone can make an offering to a fairy. You know, it's not, you know, like right. any one of us can, you know, Pick up some bleach and some C4. I'm not a chemist. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. We can all go buy ingredients and do shit, right? Yes. And it's like some of us are legitimately going to, you know, have a legitimate 
uh, end result, and some of us are going to blow ourselves up, but we can all go buy the ingredients and do it, you Well, know? yeah, exactly. Your homemade bombs, right? Sure, I probably have all the ingredients under my kitchen sink, but since that's not a world I know about, I don't actually know how to put them together to make, right? If I try, I'm just going to blow myself up in my kitchen because I don't know how to handle them. I don't know how to mix them. I don't know how to contain them. Like, Sahari. exactly. It's very much, here's the recipe, but you're on your own, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but don't start messing around. Yeah, because you're going to... Yeah, exactly. It's the same like cooking or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, I can, you know, feed myself and not die, but you're not going to pay thousands of dollars to eat my food like you will for Gordon Ramsay or, you know, <laughs> like technically we can both cook and do the same thing, but his mac and cheese ain't my mac and cheese. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So Harry does make his way to Karen eventually. Yes. Uh, with his... Not sleeping. Not sleeping. Just resting my eyes. <laughs> well, you know, it was smart of him. He was concussed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I really appreciate about this ca- chapter is that it's um, a more character development for Lieutenant Karen Murphy. It shows us the softer side of Karen. Um, Karen has a lot of stuff on her walls that Dresden sort of gives us a little layout of her office. She's got Aikido certificates and 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 trophies, trophies, marksmanship, accomplishments, um, accomplishments. So her name is also taped to the door. She doesn't even have um, a placard because the, the position is so temporary. Yeah, this is your on the way out. We've stopped even bothering. Even her office is kind of makeshift, if I recall correctly. It's not yeah. even like a properly built drywalled office. It's kind of almost like partitions up, kind of. I seem to recall, like, even, yeah, even that sort of, like, okay, well, we need to, like, give the boss, like, a office, like, an office. But, but yeah, but basically, yeah, they, they, they've given up even on providing nameplates for people. So Karen has very neatly lettered out a nameplate for herself and put it on the door so that it's, you know... At least that much, like, more fine. type A personality more behavior type right there. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, yeah, she's like, I'm the boss. I'm going to get some recognition for being the boss, even though you want to try and shove me in the corner and, you know, but she was like, no, I am the lieutenant. I am the head of SI. So if you won't give me the dues, I'll give them to myself kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so we learn a bit more about Karen that way. And she's pretty no-nonsense cut to the chase, you know, like, Harry, you look like shit. So, by the way, what have you got for me? <laughs> Solve my problems. Tell me what nice. I need to know. And right. as a quick interjection, at this point, she's on, she's been lieutenant for about one year now. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Uh, well. Not terribly long. It's not terribly long. It was maybe six months, give or take. Stormfront happens in March. And she was made lieutenant in the fall. So in and oh, around so like six, six to eight months, months, months yeah, or something she's been. Yeah. Year, yeah. But. Um, was that before or after her bump to SI? Did she? She was made lieutenant six months ago. Um, it does. We don't know exactly it, when she got shunted to SI. Yeah, it does not. The, the timeline does not specify. Yeah, I'm guessing probably before because I'm like, I could see them not necessarily demoting her title, just demoting her position by putting her there. But I'm like, I don't know. It seems such a tough place. I don't know if she could have moved to SI and then been like promoted to lieutenant. That almost seems like asking for too much in that role. But regardless, I was just curious if we had a timeline on that. Um, so, yeah, so she's not. And Karen herself is, is what did we say, a couple years older than Harry? Two, three years uh, on Harry, something like that? Like three not or a, four. Or three or four. So chances are she's not quite 30 herself yet. She's in that 28, 29, 30 still range. Still early so, career. But so early career, and she's some... trying to pound it out. She's trying to, yeah, yeah. She's, she's done some pretty good things. She's not sitting still. She is trying to, yeah, make strides, prove herself. Three years. Three years older. So we've determined Harry's like 25. So Karen's like 28 at this point. She's lieutenant and in charge of a department. And this is part of why people don't like her, apparently, because she's kind of, don't give me the bullshit. Let's just make things happen. And they're like, the blonde little girl is like stepping on our toes. Which uh. maybe why she ended up in that and That's, in yeah, that's, that's place, exactly right? why I'm saying it's part of why she's where she is, because she's just like, boom, pedal to the metal, let's go. And other people are like, uh, where? What are you doing? <laughs> You're making us guys look bad. We're just going to tuck you in a corner out of the way. So you look crazy. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then Harry jumps in with his, oh, so this is really, really tough. This is, like, really impossible. And Karen's like, well, it can't be impossible. It happened. 
And he's like, yeah, but it would have taken like a lot of work. I don't think one person could do this. So now she's all like, so instead of like one suspect, now I, like I didn't have one, now I've got 15. He's like, oh, 13. <laughs> you know, and she's like, 13, still no, not helping. Yeah, you can't including me. Well, we do learn that it's a thermaturgical. Thaumaturgical? Thaumaturgical. Thank you. Thaumaturgical. Uh-huh. That's why I make you guys say the big words. Siri can Thaumaturgical spell. Can she? Good for Siri. No, I just mean like that's like a meme. You just hold up the phone and make them say shit for you in the middle of videos. Yes. Thaumaturgical spell was used. Something that, which means something that w- had to represent them, like fingernails mm. or or hair, or make it happen on, on a small scale. A, it happens on a large, the voodoo animal, doll yeah. premise. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to evocation, these are the two main ones that Harry brings up. And when he introduced, um, uh, Morgan, I almost went Marshall. I've been watching way too much Paw Patrol. Mm. Shout out to toddlers. Um. When we meet Morgan, Harry labels him as one of the deadliest evocators he knows. Then he's like, like, Morgan totally could have done this. But for Morgan to do it through evocation, that's like sight line. That's like in the presence. He would have had to been in the room to magically yank their hearts out. Whereas the, you know, blood spatter and, and organ splatter indicates no one else was in the room with these people so to do it from a distance to not be right like yeah evocation basically i need to be able to see you and focus on you to make this happen i don't necessarily have to be touching you but there has to be a certain amount of proximity whether it's you know a foot or 20 feet whereas this was like yeah since they were very obviously alone by themselves this happened from an outside force that's the thaumaturgy coming into it (laughs) and um and yeah, so like basically what we all understand is like a voodoo concept, voodoo doll. So kind of a running theme of the stories is Harry being pulled between his wizard life and his mortal life where, you know, once, oh, I mean, in the case of Stormfront, this is kind of the first time, but it becomes a recurring theme yeah. where Murphy asks him for information that goes against uh, the wizard council, the white council. Um, orders of secrecy, you know, so Harry gets pulled between this position of, well, I can't divulge information because they'll kill me, and Murphy's like, I'm gonna kill you if you don't divulge information, yeah. and it very much becomes this back and forth, she wants information, who could have done this, and he's like, I'm definitely not providing you those names, I Harry's, will be murdered before I even start the list. Harry's double list, level, the double life in covert ops, like, yeah, I very much to help so. you and give you the answers, but I'm also, that's classified, that's above your pay grade, Murph. Yeah. <laughs> so and Murphy's like, I don't give a shit, and Harry's yeah. like, you have to for my sake. <laughs> and like, before that can develop, you know, Harry's concussion and exhaustion and 24 hours finally catches up with him. Yeah. Yeah. At and which point? Just, like, interesting you should ask. The softer I'm side of Sears. just going to pass out now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the, it's a good way to get out of a conversation, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> excuse what? me. Just have to, yeah. They at least agree that it's a gang war thing. And then he... Then he yeah, she's like, oh, Decides great cult, the arcane will love this. Yeah, it starts becoming more, more, instead of getting answers and getting simpler, starting to get more convoluted, and Karen's like, fuck, your help sucks. And Dresden doesn't really disagree with that. <laughs> Which brings us to chapter 12. Chapter 12. Harry's concussion catches up with him, and Murphy escorts him home. While home, he receives a call from Linda Randall asking to meet. Harry follows up with Monica, but she asks him to drop the case and feigns ignorance. Chapter 12. So Dresden wakes up from a concussion at the police department with Murphy tending to him. Yeah. So he figures he's been down for about 20 minutes. She's trying to take care of him. She's like, hey, asshole, are you all right? He's like, oh, you care. She's like, yeah, don't don't wrinkle my jacket. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but notices that, yeah, he's, he's she's she's pillowed. Um his head on her jacket and she's like down there on the floor with him and like yo bro you're um um oh yeah he makes like a crack she calls him a pervert you know um she's like what happened to you and he's like i fell down my stairs she's like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh you know neglects to mention that he was helped by a blow to the head down the stairs (laughs) um 
But yeah, they do the little banter thing back and forth, which is is cute and nice. And and she's like, yeah, I'll take you home. He's like, no, 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 I I, I, I got a loner here. I got it. She's like, I'd have to arrest myself if I let you drive in this condition. Um, So yeah, so basically, yeah, Murphy's like, all right, you're you're laid out here. Let's 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 get you home. Let's get you settled. Like. She's not even mean when he then <laughs> rolls over and pukes on her and floor. pukes all over her office floor. And yeah, that's the big one right there. She's like, I'm not even... Oh yeah, because he... She leaves to go do whatever she needs to do to get ready to go and comes back and he's like puked on her floor and she doesn't even give him shit for it. She just kind of cleans like... Cleans him up. Doesn't say anything. Um, she just, yeah, cleans him up, puts a cool cloth on him and, and takes him out to the car. So he knows... He's like, I'm in bad shape. <laughs> He's like, I must. Yeah. Murphy's good people. He, Murphy's good people. But if she's not even going to, like, razz me for puking all over her office, then. Well, it's a nice duality. It's, an, it's very refreshing to see that, that she's not just type A hard cop. Like, she actually has a, a tender side. She has she a tender side. And she does like Dresden enough to write. He's, he is more of a friend or moving towards that territory. He's not just random work associate or something you know what i mean like yeah and uh people complain they know they don't like the early murphy right she's too cold and too hard which is fair and i mean i think butcher writes a good character arc for her of course you're not gonna have her just right off the bat whatever you know yeah and i think it's very fair but and especially with full moon there's a lot of conflict between them too but it is nice even now like looking back on it like it wasn't like they were at odds for so long like they really did have a friendship from the start yes yeah they had sort of a personality click from when they sort of first met and build so yeah it was kind of a little bit wary like we don't really know each other there's not full-on trust but like we have a similar sense of humor we you know like you know how to push my buttons and make me want to kill you without actually making me want to kill you you know kind of a thing and yeah i always did like i do get and i know and yeah there's a little bit more of that when you bring some of the tension out in their roles and like full moon and stuff like that you know i'm like i don't because at first when you're like well, a lot of people don't like early murphy and i was like i never had a problem with her but then i'm like actually yeah no i guess i say i didn't have a problem with murphy and like her personality and the way she was portrayed but you're right some of her her interactions it was like come on because of course we like dresden we always want everything to be peachy keen for him which isn't but yeah you're right from from that way that that they had some misunderstandings and things sometimes that yeah we're not as favorable towards you know us being in in harry's head and coming from his point of view exactly is is that way that you're right i was like karen can't you just you know cut him the slack give him the benefit of the doubt and but fairness from her side she you know didn't have the information we had so and again that conflict between you know harry's two sides of the world you know murphy's very much like no help me on my side and harry's like i can't and she's like well then you're dead to me yeah we're very hard exactly yeah if she he's like you know because sometimes he tries to get around it without saying it and sometimes he's like i do know something and i can't tell you and that murphy has a really hard time with that like which if is you fair. No, which is fair. I mean, all of you know, but like if you know, why can't you tell me? And mm-hmm. and again, going back to this, I can't tell you why I can't tell you. If I could tell you why I can't tell you, then at least I could sort of explain it. You would know why I can't tell you. But since, I, yeah, and then, so like, I do see both sides. Of I it, do see know? both sides of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but yeah, exactly. Is is she's not all business. She doesn't look at at Harry as nothing but a commodity for her investigations. You know, she's like, buddy, let me. Yeah, let's take you home. Let's get you settled. You're in a bad way. So he does, uh, yeah. And, um, and yeah, gets that phone call right when he comes in. You know, doesn't think anything of it. Grabs his phone. And, of course, in his adult state, he basically starts, you know, flirting over the phone. And Murphy's just kind of like, just go, oh, what are you wearing? And she's like, ugh, men pervert. And, like, walks away to the other room to, like, give him privacy. And he's like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, he's like, that works so much better than, like, a lie. Because I suck at lying. And Murphy uh-huh. always sees. But me just being, like out of it and stupidly accidental and and you know male pervert was enough to get her to leave the room anyway like that worked better than if i tried to to bluff so maybe that's like butcher's whole thing because some people do complain about how like oh all the women are so overly sexualized which is totally fair in the series they basically like everyone in the series basically uses sex appeal to their advantage but however I will say, I was like, it could be one of those more like the Hulk thing, like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. He's like, that's my secret. I'm just always horny. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It deflects everything all the time. 
And you know, the more you get to know with Harry, <laughs> the more that could very well be. He does not get a lot of breaks in any area of his life, this man. <laughs> so, no. so yeah, exactly. So, yeah, That's so just his default. Yeah. Linda Randall's on the phone and, and yeah. does offer up, well, offers up to meet, asks to meet to offer up information that she's apparently now had a change of heart she's with. She's coming around. Yeah, she's willing to talk. So Harry's like all about that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Harry, you know, he, he agrees to meet her. Something <laughs> he's got something by do. Yeah, she's like, let's go somewhere. And he's like, oh, my car's in the shop and I'm kind of concussed. I can meet the 7-Eleven by him down the street from my house. And she's like, cool. I'll come pick you up. How about? He's like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you can just like, Linda sort of got that, oh, aren't you sweet and pathetic? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to meet you at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> the professional driver was like, Pro- yeah, yeah. The professional was like, "You're an adult. You run a business. Okay, how about I just come pick you up and we go somewhere?" And he's still twenty five. Still twenty five. I just have to love it. I can get the taquitos <laughs> while we talk about. This. Can I treat you to a Slurpee? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's very much though. He agrees to meet her, has a tingling in the back of the head that he already made plans, but if he's forgotten about it, it can't be that important. Of but, course. You know. And I love how we all say that, and that's really, right. like, it's 50-50. Sometimes it's really not important, but as often as not, no, no. <laughs> we need to remember that. Plot so, point. Exactly. And he, you know, he... He, he, he figures he it does. was uh, contacting Monica. Uh, must be. Must be. I have not checked in with her, and, and she gave me all that nice money that I've spent and thrown away and burned up. Which, once she calls, basically tells them to fuck off. No, no, no. I don't, don't know what you're talking about. Don't no, need no, any. Don't need it. No. Like, Very suspicious. Uh, this is the Monica who asked me to find her husband, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to cancel my order. Uh, you gave me a bunch of money. Nope, that's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is something to be said because when he calls the uh, original home address, you know, the son answers very nonchalantly, like, Mom, your cousin's on the phone. Come get this shit. Yeah, Harry makes up a little. Which, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, negates that, you know, she's got a gun to her head right now on this phone. Yeah. So it's a little bit more like, okay, so maybe metaphorically there's a gun to her head, but. At least but, physically, there seems to be, you know, yeah. nothing that the kids are suspicious of right now, you know? Yeah. Which is just further alarming to Harry because he's like, well, it doubly doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, she was the extra air of mystery. Well, yeah, and especially since she was so careful about, you know, like, she obviously has, as we stated before, some knowledge into the magic world, you know, she was, you know, she wanted to come to him at first, she didn't want to give out, like, her proper name from her own mouth, she didn't want to, you know, until Harry's like, well, I can't find somebody if you don't tell me who I'm looking for like you need to give me something right but she was right worried about all of these things and and being to be very cautious and very you know and now she's just like oh yeah no big deal it's all good haha don't worry about it and he's like yeah this just doesn't add up it just Mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't read right doesn't feel kosher right but yeah not a lot he can do on the phone at that moment so he's kind of like um all right (laughs) well one of the things that I'm wondering is why have him concussed like, why did Butcher make that decision? Because I believe we covered this last time. It's he's he's his redheaded stepchild. <laughs> Butcher just abuses and beats. He's the whipping boy. He's. <laughs> you know. So part of this is to keep it from Harry solving everything in a day. Because Harry's, like, got so many things coming at him, and then they physically beat the crap out of him, so he's even less mentally on the ball. So just more obstacles, really. More obstacles. Exactly. It's exactly. It's to keep Harry physically and mentally. And I think on top of that, it also uh, brings back Marcone in a big way, because, you know, Marcone is a huge player in Chicago. He's a huge player in the Dresden Files, but up till this point, all we've really seen is a quick limo ride in like chapter two right so i think this is a nice way to be like hey don't by the way the mob is still a fucking thing here and the mob uses baseball bats (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so i think it's a little bit like hey by the way they're also here you kind of didn't think about me for a couple of chapters and i'm offended (laughs) yeah yeah even though you're still messing up my shit and sticking your nose in where i don't want it to be long Mm -hmm. so yeah just remember harry just kind of went on a tour he's like we're doing monica and we're doing victor and we're doing bianca and we're doing jennifer and we're doing susan and and murphy and three eye and Marcone's like, ah, oh, bitch, right? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I told you to fuck off first, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so who cares if the sexy vampire did it more threateningly, you yeah. know? Like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't throw you across Which, the room and split out of my skin. Let me just introduce you to my thug, yeah. To be fair, Marcone did soul gaze with Harry. It's the first time we've seen Harry do a yes. soul gaze in the series. And I think it's very fair for Marcone to be like, okay, I didn't have boobs, so we're going to have to remind him with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I know this about this man. I don't have boobs. We're going to have to keep reminding him that I'm here. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that just that is definitely a running series, just that... Again, to make it more dramatic, to make it more exciting, to make it more critical, Harry is pretty much always brought down to his lowest. And I think to also knock Harry down a step, literally and figuratively too, because, you know, as with all Ooh, main characters. wizard. Here's well, exactly. Point. And with all main characters, they're going to kind of always come out on top no matter what. But it's a little bit different to be like, you know, like, sure, he's going to solve the case. He's going to find the murderer and he's going to do this. But it's like... But it's not all rainbow and peaches at the end of the day. And again, as the series continues, you see how these physical effects really build up on him. Yeah. And even in this book, I mean, I mean, he's been concussed for like, what, 12 hours or so like that. And he's already like, like, like as the audience, we can see like, oh, you're forgetting about Susan. Oh, you're, you know, you're you've fallen asleep and wasted so much time already. Like, not that a person should they need to sleep anyways, but in Harry's case, you get this little bit like, no, like, there's a sense of urgency that you suddenly are lacking again. And, like, the audience is like, we know it. Like, yeah, yeah, go. yeah. Wake up. There's a guy behind the window. Hey, come on. Turn around. Stupid. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, um. And I think, you know, there's another point. And it's hard to say, like, how much is it is Butcher's getting there and how much of it is Dresden's not getting there is, like, you still have zero idea about this cameraman. You still have zero idea about... This drug, ultimately, you still have zero idea about the participants because you're basically going off of the fact that Victor Sells is either incredibly powerful or was using these orgy people. I mean, he hasn't quite made that breakthrough, but that there's either multiple people involved or yeah. Victor Sells is super powerful. It's, it, it's a series of questions, which is, again, part of a book. You just build up with all of these different mm -hmm. incidents and incidents and incidents until the climax. But I think it's also another way to, like, I mean, like you say, the redheaded stepchild. Butcher is also, he beats on his audience. You know, he, he he's actively said in interviews that yeah. he will lie to us during Q&As and things like that if it means a better surprise later on in the book. So it's been actively said, like, if questions he's answered are cons, he will straight up lie to you if he thinks it makes for a better moment a better later jump on. Better scare later or exactly. something. Exactly. So it's like he very much twist, is, plot twist, yeah. Exactly. So it's always with a grain of salt, both in the books and in real life, because Butcher, as much as he likes to beat on Harry, he also really loves to get the audience mixed in there right with it. Right, well, exactly. Well, I think that's the thing, like, because while Harry's, like, forgetting and getting distracted, it does work on us that way. So, like, we're so busy being like, oh, my God, Harry. Like, there are literal books when, like I say, like, you know, you come back in three books, five books, ten books, and you're like, Stormfront was a walk in the park. And you're like, he, you know, and you feel like sort of now you feel like he's getting like, okay, he's already not running on much sleep because he's been busy. He's getting a little bit physical. Like, you know, he did have somewhat of an inter. I mean, they, they talk about like, you know, hockey or sports or war. And they're like, really, five seconds of combat is like an hour of you know, shooting exertion. hoops or something. Yeah, you know, like it's intense, right? I'm like, well, he technically he had that with Bianca. Like, it was short and quick, but it was really intense. And now he's right, and um, and yeah, and you realize down the road, you know, and you're like, Harry, how can you function? Like, I can't function on that little Ooh. sleep on a normal day, and I'm not fighting the evils of the universe, you know. And it just continues more and more, and that's the thing. It's like you get so concerned for Harry and how you know, he's managing and all this stuff and trying to keep track of, right? Like, there are a few characters in place, so it, it works. When he starts distracting Harry, I find it does sort of often work to distract me as the reader and be like, oh, yeah, shit, I totally forgot. Like, we totally went off on this thing, and I have completely so forgot about Marco, you know? And one more thing to it is that, you know, like with a lot of books, it'll kind of wrap up, and Harry will give a quick rundown. He's like, so then this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and he kind of ties up the loose strings that don't play out in the yeah. action climactic whatever, you know? But I find, you know, that in these books, too, you'll be a couple books later, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Whatever happened with that? And even Harry himself is forgotten, or whatever, because it's like, so like, there's just like... 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, when Butcher wrote this book, he kind of was doing it as like a fuck you to his teacher. He's like, I'm not an author. And then he wrote this. And it obviously got refined before it was published. Yeah. But, I mean, there's things that happen in Stormfront that are still just as relevant in the latest book, Battleground, 17 books later. And you're looking back on it and, like, like Butcher's very good at, like, taking out a single thread and being like, we're not addressing this for a while. I'll let this simmer for a long time. So at the and end of the book, like, like a big, huge, glaring. Exactly. It's not like a plot hole or what the fuck. Like you do feel very satisfied when the book ends, but yeah. then suddenly, like so many books later, you're like, oh, motherfucker, that like, sleight of hand. It totally. Yeah. So, so I think while this Linda just, Randall again, like throwing it at all of us, both Dresden and us, it's very much like, oh, 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 yeah. Harry's yeah. namesake, Harry's Houdini. It's just, Her, it's, yeah. Totally out of here, like uh, uh, misdirect yeah. to the nth degree. To the nth degree, and, and in, a, in a way that yeah works, like you say, without being super obvious or super blatant or super like um, you just totally left this hanging and never. Uh, it's and like Linda Randall, you know, with her sexy voice and her come hither, you know, is distracting us from the. And to a point, it comes up in later books as well, where you've got these plot holes, and it's not even a plot hole because it's like. No, because Butcher has said in interviews or he said in the books or he said in this that we're staring at either memory changing magic or time jumping changing magic or disguising magic. So like like there's identities of people that um, like, you know, one person can have four, five, six, seven different identities to the point where later on in the books when some people have no identity and they're like, well, you must be someone else, too. And we start. Mm-hmm. So I find it's very much in that way that it's like, even as the books, because again, we're not there, but once you get to Peace Talks, I started finding a lot of like, oh, this isn't lining up with the timeline, but it didn't seem like, like it didn't seem to me that it was like Butcher fucking up. It seemed more like Butcher was like deliberately Slipping like a red like, heron, you know, and it's like, I just don't trust this man because there's been so many books up till now that he's done this again, you know, you've got these illusions that build and build and build and yeah. a- a- again he's very good at it and he's very good about just laying the forefront and either not addressing it I, I, laying it before or laying it after he's very good about letting it simmer for a while slow burn totally slow so I just burn. you know and it's not necessarily often but when it does slap you in the face it very much is just like Oh, damn. (laughs) So we end the chapter with uh, him passing out and Murphy uh, ruffling his hair and kissing his forehead Mm. because she's at least got to have a nice little moment with him. Yeah, and Mister comes and curls up on his legs and gives him a little bit of a little little bit of of a break. Yeah. This concludes our episode 7, Baseball Bad. You can find us online at macanellies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling, and thank you for listening. Yeah. Woo! Ba-dum-ba.